Welcome to the cocoon, where the 99% transform into 100%. I'm your host, Michael Baker, and you're listening to the Open Door Podcast Series. Please welcome my guest from Portland, Oregon, LaRonda Steele. Hi, LaRonda. Hi, Michael. (laughs) It's so good to see you. We finally get to... I've been talking about this for I don't know how long. As long as I've um, worked with you with the Cubs, about maybe three, four years. I've been talking about this project, Mm -hmm. these projects, I should say, and... uh, I'm glad to have you in here today to talk to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was excited about them four years ago and, and seeing it come to pass, and it, it, uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. I'm so happy that you are. <laughs> okay, so let's get down to business, girl. All right. What you been up to? What's happening in your Ooh, life? Lord, Lord, Because there's Lord. been a lot that's been going on in the past two or three years. A lot you. going on. Um, and, you know, I, I've come to terms that I like it that way. Interesting. <laughs> I have a life that is um, that's really full and and it's quite musical. I um, direct a um, a community choir. It's called Portland Interfaith Gospel Choir, and um, Janice Scroggins was the piano player for it, and and she passed away about a year and a half ago. So um, I have continued on, and it is. Um, it's really different without her. Hmm. Um, and the choir is thriving, and, and our focus is um, um, using the art form of African-American gospel music to um, reach out to a broader community. So we have, uh, and it's, it's an interfaith choir, so people from all ethnicities, all um, multi-generational, um, multi-beliefs. It's, it's inclusive. Hmm. And so we have Jewish folks, we have um, Baptists and and, uh, Catholics and agnostics even, and we all come together and in one unified voice sing this music. It's it's quite a fascinating um, um, experiment, I guess I'll say. Wow! <laughs> and it's been really um, um, I have grown being a part of it and watching it. So, doing that as well as um, let me let me oh, talk about that for a second because okay. that that fascinates it me. It fascinates me. That's you know that's you know that's my thing mm-hmm. is is when you hear people talking about all sorts of faiths working together. Mm-hmm. How does that work? I mean, what are you doing? So I'm assuming some people would go, well, that just couldn't work because they think that, mm-hmm. well, they're all serving different gods and, you know, and this is maybe that one world religion, right. <laughs> religion thing. Right. But how does that work? Tell me how, from your, your perspective, what is this about and how does that work when you have different ideas about God? Um, well, the way that it works for me is, um, and I come from a um, very uh, religious background. Um, In my, what, what way? My, my family's uh, tradition of worship is with the Church of Christ, and that is even a more, um, that particular um, um, philosophy, if you want to call it, or branch of Christianity really believes that if you don't belong to a building called the Church of Christ, then you are not getting into heaven. So anyway, I come from that type of background all the way to where I am present day with my own spiritual path is knowing that there are many paths to God. God is so much bigger than anything that um, we can even imagine. So why would I say that your way is the wrong way? So anyway, let I go. Let me go back to say this: the function of this community choir is not a religious function. Mm. It has it has 
it has we're not trying to save anyone's soul there's there's no um pressure to believe or 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 anything like that it is about the art form the american art form of gospel music i know it sounds crazy <laughs> i mean you know how can you separate mm-hmm. the um the the i you know the ideals behind, um from um from the person and from the music um what what it is it gives everyone the opportunity to experience um that joy and that release and that passion that gospel music provides in its delivery um and so it separates that's where we separate um, um, the religious aspect from it. If you, if you look at it as an art form or you're learning a new art form and you're, we're actually teaching um, several um, styles of gospel music. We go all the way back to the spirituals and we, we talk about how um, the African slaves, the way of communication, and we talk about all of those things and we talk about gospel music in America's history. So th- that's the way that, that this music is presented, and it's not presented in a religious way, other than the fact that the material is religious. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? I know it sounds crazy, but it's, it is a beautiful, beautiful experiment. It sounds yeah. amazing. I'm fascinated by uh, anything that unifies people mm-hmm. and, uh, and art forms and expresses, because to me, Okay, and you say it sounds crazy. To me, that is the essence of what God is. God is 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 art, is life, is is, is love and joy, and you're experiencing that. I know that we get caught up in the like you just said, you know, it's got to be this building, mm-hmm. <laughs> this building, mm-hmm. this name, these people, mm-hmm. this way of worshiping, reading this book, this way believing this mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. means that you are going to heaven and not going to hell. And, right. Um, and you know, bring separation. We won't get into all of that, yeah. but but uh, you know, that's a <laughs> that's a that's, that's another a, that's, that's the issue. Ten shows, that's, but yeah, yeah, yeah hundreds. And but so let's just focus on the art form and, and love of all this and, and creativity. Um, and that's really what you know, you know, here today. You know, you being a, an amazing artist. I met you. A long time ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, but a lot of people don't. Um, the people that don't know who you are, uh, kind of give, give us your background. You, you, you're not native of Portland. No, I um, may as well be. <laughs> I, I moved here about 21 or so years ago um, from, <clears throat> excuse me, from Oklahoma City. I went to college at um, University of Central Oklahoma, and soon after that, I. Um, Messed around about a year or so trying to find a job and figure out what do I want to do with my life. And um, with this bachelor's degree in business administration, finance. And honey, you know, (laughs) you know me. (laughs) I am bossy, but the whole corporate America, I just, I found that. (laughs) <laughs> I chose the wrong degree. Um, be, being the first to um, to uh, get a, a college education in my family, we just had no idea. And I just chose something that I thought um, would um, give me a, 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 a gainful employment, yeah, provide, a livelihood. Provide you, know. you with, you know, that, that American dream. Mm-hmm. You know? And honey, I just do not fit into corporate world. And it was a rude awakening. <laughs> Um, and so I, I 
have always loved music. My family's very musical. My mother and her sisters um, sang um, a cappella music with my grandfather, who was a minister, who was an mm. evangelist, so a Baptist preacher. And so they sang. We had that music. My dad is very musical, um, a drummer in a jazz band, local jazz band. and my. Just very musical. And so we grew up, you know, listening to the... I remember my dad loved um, um, Isaac Hayes because my dad looks like Isaac Hayes. He's got a bald <laughs> head. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, just lots of music. Um, Aretha Franklin, the OJ's, um, Ohio players. So all of all of that we listened to, and just I just love music. I, um, we were in a small town. There wasn't much for me to do. Um, I was very shy and and pretty separated from <laughs> what we say. Um, People but, my own age, you know right, what I mean. Yeah. Just pretty, pretty separated. So I spent a lot of time in my room eating and <laughs> listening to people. <laughs> what were you eating, girl? Oh my gosh, my mom. I'm, I look at you because know, I have daughters now, and I think about how much food they eat, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my god, we must. <laughs> my mom worked to feed us. Oh lord, basically and hot link sandwiches. <laughs> hot link sandwiches. Was it Wonder Bread too? It was Wonder Bread. <laughs> And um, syrup, we just eat anything. We'd make sugar sandwiches. We'd oh, put anything, my gosh. Uh, you know. <laughs> so I just grew up knowing I love music, and um, um, and this is really interesting, Michael. Um, I um, I found out that I could sing when I was about thirteen years old. I was at um, uh, Tabitha Baptist Church in uh, no, no, I was at. Let me think of what the name of the church is. Oh, Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church in Jones, Oklahoma. Oh, my God. With Pastor (laughs) Reverend Willie Boone, Jr. Oh, yeah. There it is. There he is. Come on. (laughs) And so I was about 13 years old, and they asked me to sing a song, uh, lead, lead a song in the choir. And I led this song, and it was like God was telling me or or showing me that my voice was my connection with people. Mm-hmm. I felt very disconnected and very alone with 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 um, at my albinism, the um, genetic condition called albinism. Oh, most people call us albinos. Mm-hmm. Um, was was pretty, um, and me being in an African American house where everybody's brown and I'm white with low vision and white hair. You know, um, it was really tough. So I felt very separate, even from my own family, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I found at, a, at the age of 13 that music was the way that I could be accepted and in, in a part of the community. How did that transpire? Like, tell me what that moment was about. How did, I mean, give, give us a background of what happened. Well, um, I, I learned this song, and, I, um, well, I, I guess the moment was is when, so let me think here for a mm-hmm. second. Let me. Let me really think about this. I, th- I think that the moment happened after I sang the song and how everybody said that I sounded so wonderful. And then every Sunday from then on, I had to sing. So you know what I mean? It's like they, you, I felt wanted. You, you got approval. I got approval. And another pivotal moment is, is when I was in high school, um, Oh, man, school was just tough for me. I was just very different. There were no other albinos, people with albinism. Um, 
in the school. I didn't know where I fit in. Were they predominantly African-American people or was there white people? um, I went to school mixed. You know, and, and, and even in the small town of um, Spencer, Oklahoma, there were a lot of uh, African-Americans as well as whites. So we had, I, d- I don't remember it being predominantly one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. I just remember knowing that there were, um, there were, it was just mixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in high school at um, Classen High School, or it was Northeast High School. I went to two high schools. They closed one down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Um, I was bussed out. <laughs> really? I was bussed. Really? Yes, I was out of Spencer, Oklahoma. I was well, bussed into Oklahoma um, City. But this was in what? In the eighties? Mm-hmm. In the eighties. And you were bussed? Yeah. That was still going on. And that was, yes, it was still going on. How odd. Yeah. I never knew that. So I was bussed out to uh, to high school, and we had a talent show. And before then, you know, hardly anybody knew my name, or they might have known my name, but I was not accepted into groups. I sang at this talent show, and then everybody knew my name. People would speak to me. People would acknowledge me. Hmm. I mean, and and I'll tell you this, bringing tears to my eyes, because that was a joyous moment as well as a painful one. I was just going to say. Because it's like, okay, you see me because I have a talent. You know, right? And and um, I had been trying to be fit in for many many years, and and I just from that age, I was about fifteen, sixteen years old, and I said, "This is the way that I'm going to be accepted into society." Hmm. And ever since then, I have um, I've been singing, and um, yeah. Boy, wow. this is deep, isn't it, Michael? Goodness. <laughs> and and along the way, I have um, felt trapped by that. Mm. I have in known that I could walk into a room and if people didn't know that I was a singer, that I would be treated one way, or I would feel that I was treated one mm-hmm. way. That's what I know now. Mm-hmm. I would I would feel that I was treated one way, but once they heard me sing, whether they liked the way I sounded or not, it's it's the fact that I am up on stage and okay. that I am I am profession you know professionally singing that people who wouldn't talk to me on the street well you know that's interesting would then talk to me and, and try to even befriend me or find interest in me mm-hmm. whereas before let, let's place this mm-hmm. you felt out like an outsider mm-hmm. actually like most anyone does not unless they mm-hmm. I think really honestly I would say I think every single human being really does feel like that mm-hmm. they may not be saying it they may have uh, in society it might be easier for them if you're okay let's say if you were black and white back in the well you know the 50s or mm-hmm. 40s or what 60s um, you're standing or now you know in many d- cases um, you're feeling as if you're different or mm-hmm. if you have another cultural background or uh, you look different, you know, albinism, or uh, you might be overweight, mm-hmm. or you or, have a handicap. Yes, yeah. Okay, so anything that seems to fit out of whatever this thing that we call the norm, Yes. okay, we feel like an outsider. As soon as we get approval, in any case, mm-hmm. yours seem to be a talent. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back to some, you know, um, I'm thinking, I, I guess, psychologically, you know, young girls who get attention because 
they look provocative or, exactly, yeah. you know, we we mm-hmm. we tend to attach to the thing and go, OK, this is what I am. Connects me to every everybody makes me acceptable. Right. Isn't that something? And mm-hmm. and the question is, is, you know, we have these talents and these gifts because I know what you mean, you know, singing and performing. You know, I can't really say that I felt like, you know, people weren't I never felt good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, the same that I never always people go, how could that be true? It because you are feeling what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I could sit there and go, why would anybody I mean, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think you're mm-hmm. amazing and and intriguing regardless. Mm-hmm. You know? Um mm-hmm. uh, I'm intrigued by people who look different, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and who have this thing I think that they're special, but everybody doesn't think that way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, and when you're growing up you you have like you said, you I have an idea about me and you have an idea about me, but my idea about you is so very different. Sometimes we can't see our own light because <laughs> We're just distracted by what everybody, what we think everybody else is saying, you wow. know, or thinking. We get distracted. We don't see our own light. And I can see your light and, and tell you exactly how fabulous you are and mm-hmm. how inspiring and how amazing you are. And then I, can I turn that same light mm. on myself and see that in me? There, There is the growth. <laughs> there, there is the work yeah, <laughs> of our journey here on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Th- this is amazing. We ha- we have way more to talk about on that. I know. We'll do it. Um, but let's get to let's get to Simi. Let's co- let's go to the future from from that point in time. Okay. You started. When did you start uh, performing here in Portland? And, and kind of tell us that. I was about um, twenty five before I started working with um, live musicians. So back in Oklahoma, I did a lot with choirs, and I did um, some. St- stuff a lot with choirs certainly didn't go to bars and clubs because you know just really mostly churches <laughs> and then I moved here you were, you were a good girl <laughs> I, I was good that way <laughs> I got and then, a, yeah and then you moved to Portland and then I moved to Portland honey. the city of sin oh lord <laughs> and I, st- I met <laughs> I sang you know I, I oh, was God. affiliated with the church I, I met Ken yeah. Berry mm, Ken, Ken my, Berry he yeah. used to be uh, uh, one of the radio uh, hosts on cable is that right Kenneth and he had and a brother. Kevin Barry. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, my aunt introduced me to um, Ken Barry because she knew I had a desire to sing. And um, and he does the MLK program. And that was about 20 years ago. And she was a volunteer. And so she called him up and said, my aunt just moved. I mean, sorry, my niece just moved from Oklahoma and she can sing. And so he got me. She got me on the phone with him. And he um, he said, well, sing something to me over the phone. Mm. And the, the only song I knew other than church songs was um, uh, Olita Adams. Um, you can reach me by railway. You can reach me by trailway. And then he's like, oh, my God, you have to be on program. And so I was like, ah! yeah, you <laughs> and think? Then, <laughs> and then I joined. And then he asked me to join his band at the time, Time Sound. Mm. And so I started working with him and Winona um Winona, uh, well, her name is Lo right now, uh, and Shanice, and there was three girls and, and a band, maybe five, six-piece band. And I tell you, we would spend more money getting hair and getting our outfits and getting our shoes, and then we get to, you, we'd spend more money than we made. Every <laughs> gig was this, we got to get a new outfit, we got to get our hair did, you know? <laughs> so 
<laughs> and from that group, from from Ken Berry and Time Sound, I just started to meet other musicians. And you know how we are. Yeah. Once we meet one another, then we you know That's we put different projects together. And I and then I met um, Norman Sylvester. Ah. And with Norman, my goodness, that's where Norman is just an amazing mentor and a part of um, just the fabric of the the blues community here. And I started singing with him after his daughter um, got married and was was starting her her family and everything. And so um, I started working with him and worked with Norman for a good 10 years. And from Norman and Ken Berry branched off to Ocean 503 and and my own band eventually. And then worked with Curtis. I've just worked with... um, um, so many different artists work with Janice and Linda and Curtis and Lloyd. And, yeah, everybody. <laughs> everybody. All right. So let's let's you, you name some names there that people mm-hmm. don't know. So Norman so, Sylvester. Yes. The Boogie Cat. Blues. Blues band. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still yes. around. Still uh, around. Norman just celebrated his 70th birthday. Wow. And um, he's up. He is been inducted into the Oregon Music Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So that's wonderful. Um Oceans five hundred three. Mm-hmm. Then you got into your band. That was your band, and still, do you still call it that, or do you have no? To... That was that was not my band. It was um, Miguel Roberts founded oh. that band. Oh, I never knew that. And my husband played keyboards, and I sang along with a couple different other male vocalists, and we had a really strong band for about five or six years, mm-hmm. and then um, I started my own band, Laronda Steel Band, and it was pretty strong for about four or five years or so. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and from there, you know, the changing of the bands, I, I, I'm i not really that big a fan of change, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the time, I, um, I was looking to be gainfully employed. You mm-hmm. know, I, I still have this idea that as a musician, I could make a living. Right. And from and from the moving around and, and having such a diverse background and being able to be a band leader as well as a background singer, being able to do um, be comfortable in blues as well as jazz as well as R and B just made me um, more employable. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's why I'm on several people's CD. Ken DeRoshi band. I mean, it was a big part of Ken DeRoshi's band and a couple of his. Um, CDs, um, yeah, just just making music, making singing, and shaking my tambourine. My <laughs> my means of supporting my. I have babies. I had two daughters, Lauren and Sarah Steele. Wow. So yeah. So have you been able to uh, you know with a lot of musicians l- listening, especially here in Portland? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people come here, um, you know, like yeah, in this Portland, they think of this idea and this town um, uh, of you know. You know, free-flowing music, and you can play everywhere. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that you know, it, it's a challenge to. It has been a challenge. We're going to change that, mm-hmm. okay? Um, to support yourself with uh, your art. With mm-hmm. and when I say your art, your being, who you are, well, your creativity, mm-hmm. your creativity, um, uh, and your expression, your work. And are you saying that when you came, was it? You've been able to actually support yourself on somewhat on that, and when I use the word support, I use that lightly. I was going to say that's relative to what. (laughs) Right, I use that lightly. You could support yourself on a six thousand dollar a year, you know, um, uh, income or a one hundred thousand dollar a year income. What I can say is that um, over the past twenty years. It has actually gotten better for me. 
Yeah, of course, it started out slim, and 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 I have had jobs. I've had other jobs. I, um, I have yes. <laughs> that is so. Oh my. Well, what I can say honestly is that my income has increased from music um, throughout the years. Um, of course, I would love for it to be more. It's. Um, we're still I'm still considered in the poverty level mm-hmm. and I have everything I need so mm-hmm. you know of course I want of course I would love more of course I'd love to remodel my home and and have nicer shoes and get my hair done and all of that mm-hmm. and I've got so many clothes in the basement that I need that I can take 10 bags of clothes right now away. I can take five, five bags of shoes away. I can, we have enough food in our, in our house. We, the bills are paid. Mm -hmm. So there's just this, yeah, I'd love to take a vacation. Um, I can't say that I can, I can't say that I have a huge savings account, but at this moment in this time, I have everything I need. Wow. Well, let me share something on that. First of all, mm-hmm. I know where you can take those clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me. <laughs> so here, thing called Buffalo Exchange. Have you heard of Buffalo Exchange? Oh, yeah. Exchange? My daughter or, or, has done other it, thing? yeah. Let me tell you. In this process, you know I've gone through it. You've, you've seen mm-hmm. me somewhat, but, you know, uh, 2008, <laughs> mm-hmm. I... You know, didn't have anything. I was like, I my I had to leave the apartment I was living in, and I was mm-hmm. like, how am I, I? I wasn't having any money from this quote unquote little sell, settlement that I got from uh, um, my old life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, I hadn't come in, and I didn't have anything. And uh, but I went to these different places, and I'm telling you, it saved my butt twenty dollars, thirty dollars, forty dollars, mm-hmm. fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to do things, just being able to have that to, you know, um, go uh, buy what I needed, which mm-hmm. was some toilet paper I or know, something toothpaste. else. Toothpaste. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those things, and it felt so good. Mm-hmm. But being able to uh, do that exchange, and so you know, the this whole notion of do we have what we need? Sure, we want things, and mm-hmm. we, and I think that we. Uh, not just should it's that's what life is is to mm-hmm. allow yourself to experience what it is you want to mm-hmm. um the, i love this word abundance the ability right. to do what you need to do when you need to do it now that's i'm still looking for that mm-hmm. still open to abundance yeah yeah of course you know um, i've got a daughter in college she got scholarships because she's so smart and talented and um this is going to make me cry and i think about how she's there at this private college and she did it because she's so smart and she applied for these scholarships and she's got like a about a $2000 balance and I, and she's afraid to ask us for that amount because she's seen me and her dad choose choose to be musicians and choose to to be artists. And she's seen that we have done without a lot of vacations, a lot of frilly things, a lot of, you know. And so I'm, I am open to abundance. I am open to, you know, Michael, this is, and I'll say this mm-hmm. for you too. Yeah. The amount of joy that people get when they hear you sing and watch you dance and see you perform I would love to see that return to you in the abundance that you, you know, that you need in your life. 
You know, I'll even say it in in the in the in in money. I'd love to see that exchange in money. The the and and it doesn't stop you because maybe the money flow isn't the way, you know, um, we want it to be. That doesn't mean that we can stop still, you know, stop being who we are and that we should stop being who we are. We have to press on and just know that our needs are taken care of. And I, I, I just and and I don't I wanted to. In, oh, let me say this again. You can edit that. Right. <laughs> I, I don't want my daughters to have a poverty mentality mm. in that. Mm-hmm. Um in that they don't believe that um, their art form can be returned in gainful employment, in abundance, in not just abundance of joy and popularity, but in the currency in which we work in this country and in this world, which is money. Right. I want to see that exchange happen. I want to see that exchange happen for them. I don't want them to be scared to ask you know, us for $2,000 to help them get an education. Oh, so anyway. I know, I know. You know, and it's amazing. Um, and the, again, a, a huge topic, a huge thing. But it is here. And we've talked about this mm-hmm. all the time, about abundance within you mm-hmm. and how how it really is in us. But we've been conditioned. We've been programmed. We are in a systems um, where that's not... Um, mm-hmm. Revered, you know, where mm-hmm. artist is like, a, oh, that's just something that people do. Mm-hmm. You know, those singers or those writers. Yeah, they don't. They don't have a real job. They're lazy. They're, yeah. They don't. You know, they. As if it's not a trained thing. We spend years perfecting our crafts. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we're born with a certain amount of talent, but you. <laughs> You don't stay employed with just talent. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely You have not. to work at it. You have to um, um, be a business person as well as an artist. There's so much that goes into it. And yet, like you said, we're not, we're not treated um, in, in this country at our level in, in a way that, that, we can, that we have abundance. Right. Yeah. Well, we've got so much to talk about again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get to one subject. Okay. Um, so... Because this ties into other things that are going on in different programs. Um, so something happened to you uh, not too long ago. You were diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us about what happened? Oh, about two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with um, stage three breast cancer. Um, yeah. That was a yeah. That was an <laughs> that interesting, was pretty devastating time. You know, it's really interesting. This timeline, my my friend, our friend, Linda Hornbuckle, had revealed um, a year prior to that. That's when when she let us know that um, she had kidney cancer, mm-hmm. and so we were doing praying for her and having and doing benefits and and seeing her well and then a year later in July it was July the 17th I got the actual diagnosis of stage 3 breast cancer and um it was pretty devastating and my life has not been the same I've had um radical mastectomy um, what does that mean well, when they say radical mastectomy, that means they take the whole breast as well as um, all of the lymph nodes that are underneath the arm. Mm. So they take all all of that. Um, there's 
at different stages of breast cancer, if there's no lymph node involvement, then they won't take those. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll they'll leave you with some of the lymph node lymphs, which um, provide drainage. You know, I see. Um, and so um, they took my right breast. Not they took my bri- right breast had to go. Mm. <laughs> she good. had to leave so that the rest of the body could um, mm. <laughs> be okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just changed my life because I. I love my breasts. <laughs> I have I have you, had a wonderful time with them. They have provided so much joy, and and, and they fed my babies. Wow! And they did you actually breastfeed your I, bread? honey? You know I did. I yeah, yes I, I did. Wow! I I am mama. Mm. I'm so happy to have my daughters and and so fascinated at the way the way that the body can provide nourishment for babies. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it was just wonderful. So, <laughs> and I was I thinking, that. you know, this breast cancer is not in my family. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat healthy. Of course I could be healthier. Um, I'm not going to get breast cancer because if I breastfed my babies and I'm somewhat healthy, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, here it came. Mm-hmm. Radical mastectomy, chemotherapy first. So, four months of chemotherapy and um, excruciating pain Hmm. um, to have we call them super biotics flowing through your body. What is that? You mean like a... um... Um, It's it's basically... um, um, the chemotherapy is just um, uh, chemicals that go through the body and kill good and bad um, um, cells. Cells. So it's basically... Killing you, really, yeah. in reality, well, and yeah, and then so how did you? I mean, you survived. No, I don't like the way that word. Yeah. I mean, you know, survived. I you thrived. Let's just use yes, the word thrived. You thrived through. through I'm yes. telling you, Michael. It it is it is the music. I was working with this even through mm-hmm. the chemotherapy and the hair falling out. I I had fun. We got extra wigs. We had a ceremony <laughs> where we took all my hair off and Mark shaved his head and Lauren shaved the patch out of her hair and um um and music continuing to do the art form that I that that resonates with me. I was still working with Swingline Cubs, with Ken DeRoshi, with um, with the gospel choir and the gospel group and Janice. If I didn't have those things to look forward to, I could have easily just curled up in my bed and just said, oh, well, forget it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to not do anything. So many days I felt like not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So body just so painful. When you've got that much chemicals going through, you're killing your cells mm-hmm. anyway and and I know there's so many people who've gone through that as well chemotherapy mastectomy and then six weeks of radiation and so all that time working still showing up um, still looking the best that I could they have these amazing I don't want to get into all that detail but <laughs> Well, to make you look whole, even yeah, though yeah. when you get home, you yeah. start taking things off. You take your wig off. You take your breast <laughs> off. <laughs> You're looking in the mirror, bald-headed and no boob. Oh, my God. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, my God. And we've had conversations about that. Yes, we've we have. driven to gigs with Ed, and I'm telling oh. you guys, look, don't look at me. i got to put my hair on. And I gotta fix oh this thing. Oh my gosh! 
I got I got to get my titty in place. That's right. Have my titty look. Is it all right? <laughs> You did good too. They did such a great job. I mean, I was amazed at the uh, the prosthetics and, yeah. and and all of that. And you did so and, and amazingly the, well. All the people that along process. the way have been just amazing. Yeah, it's the music that has kept me going. A little bit of insanity and <laughs> and the music. I, I it's healing. It healed me, and it and it um, and, and that's another subject mm. too. I was recording in the studio mm-hmm. with Ed Snyder and Yuri Tropitz during the whole process. Is this the the stuff that you guys are working on your mm-hmm. originals? We're just about which I love. Yes. Oh, you have been I so sweet. Love, <laughs> we I play love. We play in the car. And Michael's like, I love. It. I do. I do. <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, showcasing that and then also performing. Yes. We get to perform together yes. some more. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. So on the performance note, but while we get out of here, we obviously we're going to make this a continual thing. You realize okay. that, right? I hope so. Because we got a lot to we talk about. We have a about. lot to talk about. <laughs> so we got to go. But, okay. but, but what we're going to do is continue this on and this is going to be a continuous series. I'm looking forward to this. I'm Me looking too. forward to this time. Mm-hmm. I feel it. It's, it's time. Abundance That's is right. here. Abundance. <laughs> Draw it in. Yes. We got it. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for showing up. I thank love you. Thank you, Michael. I love you. You've been listening to the Open Door podcast series. The Open Door is part of the Cocoon the creative action centers of online open source networks. Tune in weekly, where we share ideas on consciousness, health, and creativity. Together, we are taking action where the 99% transform into 100%.